Well, aloha, church family. How are you on this Valentine's Day night? Is that the right way to say it? Valentine's Day night? Yeah. Well, um, this is the show part of the program where I'm going to do an hour of comedy. And uh, so two tomatoes are walking down the street. The baby tomato starts lagging, and the mommy tomato looks back and says, catch up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Things I say and things I do, and I go home. I, did I just say that? Yes, yes, I did. Well, uh, that's a perfect transition to what we're talking about, and we're talking about generosity and giving. I don't know how that trans- transitions, but it just does. Um, so we're, we're in a series called Owned, and the whole idea is that we want freedom in, in life. We don't want the stuff that we own to own us. So last week, we talked about um, that our level of financial stress is directly proportional to how much what you own owns you. Let that sink in for a bit. So I'm thankful to uh, Andy Stanley and, and Mike Goldsworthy for their help with this entire series. And, um, and as, I, as I think about generosity, for the most part, everyone wants to be generous. And, and it's, been, it's clearly known that in our church here, we, we are a generous church and have always been a, a generous church. And we're going to continue to be, by God's grace, a generous church. But I think most people in general want to be generous. So, for example, if, if, if you ask somebody, if you win the lottery, like $100 million, a billion dollars, what would you do with it? You know, most of the time people say, oh, I want to give some away. And I want to go and help others. I want to give to charity or I want to, you know, go and help this foundation or I want to start something. And, and so there's something innate within all of us where we want to give. We want to be generous. And it reminds me of that passage in Acts, Acts chapter 20, I think, where uh, uh, they, uh, Luke quotes Jesus by saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so when we give... We're being like Jesus, and we're wired to give. And so when we give, there's something fulfilling about that because that's how you and I are created. But for some reason, giving is challenging. For some reason, giving um, is, is difficult. Let's look at some stats in the last, you know, number of years. So, the, so first, check out this generosity stat. The average Christian gives 2.5% of their income. During the Great Depression, people gave an average of 3.3%. Tithers, those who give 10%, tithing is 10%, tithers only make up 10 to 25% of any congregation. And here's the third one I want to share with you. Eight out of 10 people who give to churches have zero credit card debt. Religious giving is down 50% since 1990. So we look at these numbers, we look at these figures, we go, wow, we want to be generous, but, but there's barriers to generosity. There's, there's, there's difficulties in, in, in giving, and, um, and, and it's a challenge to be generous. And why is it a challenge? And, and, and I'll propose to you that it's a challenge because of fear and what ifs. Say fear and say, what ifs? 
So we have these fears in our lives. We have these what ifs in our lives. For example, what if I give all of my money away? Or what if I give money and then there's not enough for me later on? Or what if I retire and then there's not enough money for me? Or what if I give and then the economy takes another big hit? Or what if I give and then there's unexpected bills that come in? What if? What if? What if? What if? The reason that most of us, I would say, the reason people aren't generous is not because they're horrible, it's not because they're greedy, it's because we let fear and anxiety keep us in the place of financial stress. It's because we let fear and anxiety keep us in the place of financial stress. We let the what ifs take over. We let fear take over us and we go, I have to hold on to it because if I don't let it go, if I give it, then, then, then I have no control over it. And, and then we create these barriers. So let me kind of illustrate it this way. We have a little barrier here. Now this barrier during the week keeps preschools kids at KCS where they're supposed to be. But this barrier is going to be our little object lesson. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I wish I could say I designed that, but I didn't. So we have this barrier here. And there's a number of barriers that keeps us from being generous. So one side could be fear. Another side could be anxiety. One side could be bad money management. Another one could be that we um, just are scared to give it away. But when you talk about barriers, when we talk about barriers of generosity, what would you put here? You know, like you want to be generous, but there's this barrier in your life. Is it fear and anxiety? Is it bad management? Is it, what is it for you? It's, it's different for everybody. But this is a barrier in our lives that if we do not get around this barrier, we're not going to experience all that God wants us to give. He wants us to have our hands open and saying, Lord, I trust you 100%. And so the what ifs, what if I don't give enough? Or what if I give and, and I don't have money later on? Or what if I do this and then this happens? What if this, what if that, what if it creates fear in us? And then it's that fear that also hold, makes us hold back our money. And what all this translates to, the what ifs and the fears, is that the things we own, own us. That's what it all translates to. And what we're trying to do is shift our mindset from having that type of mentality to a mentality that says, you know, what I have belongs to the Lord. So let's look at a, a passage where Jesus tells a story of a man who lived uh, like this, like, like this, like this, you know, this, this life of, of he, he, he had always lived in like the what ifs. And he lived in this, this world where um, it wasn't about other people. It was about him. So it's in Luke chapter 12. Uh, we'll start with verse 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Just mark that verse down somehow. Memorize that verse. I'm going to read it again. It's a very important verse. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And the Lord told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yield an abundant harvest. 
So Jesus goes on to tell this parable that this rich man, uh, had a, uh, he was rich, but then he had this crop and this harvest was massive and he had even more stuff. And then he says that this ground produced a lot, implying that the Lord was the one who caused the, the harvest to grow, the plants to grow, the crop to grow. So really it was the Lord who caused it to grow, but this rich man says, wow, I'm rich and now I'm even richer. That's the, the background of what Jesus is setting up for this story here. And Jesus is telling this parable, and he is saying it was the right conditions. This rich man was there at the right time, and then at the right place, and then he was able to get uh, this great crop. In verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Huh. He goes, I got stuff. And now I have more stuff. And he has this dilemma. What do I do with my stuff? Verse 18. Here's what he does in verse 18. Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. So he says, here's what I'll do. I'll add on. I'll build bigger storage units to put more of my stuff in there. Now at one level, this is a brilliant idea. At one level, this is a brilliant idea and it's a great solution to his problem if that this life is all there is. Like if this life is all there is and it's just about us and about us and about us and about us and I, 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 then what he's doing is brilliant because he is accumulating more stuff and it's all for himself. So if the world is just for him and if that's all it is, there's no eternity, then it makes sense to what he's doing. And it's a great solution if he lives in fear of the what ifs. It's a great solution if he lives in fears of what could happen. So in verse 19, verse 19 we read, and, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You know, once people say, well, that's the dream. Make all this money, retire, then you're good to go. And you're like, yes. I've made it. You put your feet up on the, on, the, on the desk or outside on the beach, and you're like, I don't have to do anything. I have everything for myself. And you think, well, that's the dream. And once again, once again, that would be great if this life is all there is. It would be great if this life is all there is. And then what we see next is that Jesus introduces us to another character in this parable. What we see next is that now somebody else enters because prior to that, all we have is I, 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 I. But now, here's what we see. In verse, chapter 12, verse 20, just the first two words, but God, everything up into this point, everything up into this point here was about him. And then Jesus has God in there. He says, but God. 
You know, this man was making a decision, and it was based on his life. This man was making a decision about finances, and it was only about him. He's making, uh, you know, bigger barns to put more of his stuff in. And it was all about him and his situation now. But then in verse 20, it says, but God. The problem for him is that Jesus introduces another character into the story that the man had forgotten completely about. Now, all of a sudden, God is in the picture. This man was thinking about himself. This man was accumulating more money and more money and more money, and, and it was all about himself. But then God comes into the picture, and things start to change. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Sometimes, most of the time, when it comes to finances and God entering into the picture, that could be scary. But sometimes we go, okay, it's okay to have God. God, you could come in my life when I'm at church. <laughs> God, you could come into my life when I'm praying and reading my Bible. But God, don't come into my life when I'm managing my budget or my lack of budget. Because that's when things get real. And so we see in verse 20, but God, but God... And this place can be scary for us because when it comes to money, there's a larger significance to what we do with our money. There's a larger significance to what we do with our money. There's a larger significance to how we interact with our money because how we deal with our money says a lot about what we view and how we view God. So look at chapter 12, verse 20. Chapter 12, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. Right, that's not ever a good way to start a conversation. You know? The Lord saying, you fool. All right. So the Lord said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Now, real quick, it's important to understand he is not calling him a fool because he's rich. All right. You hear me? He's not calling him a fool because he's rich. He's not calling him a fool because he, he had a great crop and he's storing up for the future. He's not calling him a fool because of any of that stuff. He's not calling him a fool because he's using wisdom for the future, you know, in terms of having a, um, an emergency fund type deal. God was calling him a fool because this rich young man or this rich fool, as the Bible calls him, is making financial decisions based on only what was right in front of him. That's why he was calling him a fool. He goes, you don't understand there's so much more to life, and life has so much more in store for everybody, but all you see is what is right in front of you. And here's the kicker. You ready for this? In verse 20, here's what we read. Then... Uh, uh, says, you fool, that night, oh, uh, uh, but God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Wow. So he's telling this parable. You have all this money. You have all this extra, like, you know, three-story barns with all your crops and, and all this money and all that stuff. But this very night, you're, 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 you know, your life will be demanded of you in this story that Jesus tells. And you know what happens to his stuff? Other people get it. Think about that. When he dies, other people will get his stuff. And when you and I die, 
The reality is other people will get our stuff, all the stuff that we have accumulated. But we can either give people our stuff now, or when we die, all of our stuff will be given out one way or the other. This story ends with us having this lesson of wisdom, this, this lesson of what God has in store for us. Here's what we have in this story. Jesus ends the story with a lesson of wisdom and, and a lesson of us growing in our faith. And, and he talks about the wisdom of wise finances, the wisdom of growing in our faith. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 21. We'll continue in the story. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now notice, this is important to understand. Jesus doesn't say it's wrong or bad to save things up for yourselves. There's nothing wrong with saving up. He does not say don't plan for the future. He does not say don't have emergency fund. He does not say that this is how it is for those who store up things for themselves, period. Here is what Jesus says. This is how it is when you store up for yourselves but are not rich toward God. But are not rich toward God. Think of those three words, rich toward God. The problem for this rich person, this rich young fool, as the Bible calls him, is not that he had stuff. It's not that he was wealthy. It's not that he had a great crop. It's not that he stores up stuff for the future. His problem, this rich fool's problem, is that he tried to live life like he could control the outcome. His problem was he thought he could control everything if he had enough stuff. If I just have enough money, if I just have enough crops, if I just have enough barns, then everything's going to be okay. He tried to manage his life his fears with his own finances. And he never once thought about bringing God into the, pic- the picture. And think about that for a moment. With our finances, do we bring God into the picture? Is God honored with how we use our finances? And that's something we have to ask as a family, with your family, with your loved ones, so how are we rich toward God? Let me four quick thoughts. One, by living lives of generosity. This rich fool planned to invest his money only on himself, and he never cared about the other person. We could be rich toward God when we invest our time and energy in the kingdom living. This rich young fool didn't care about kingdom living. He didn't care about spiritual matters. He didn't care about causes and, and ministries that were saving souls for the Lord and, and, and bringing uh, uh, education to poverty, and, and, and the list goes on. He didn't care about that. This parable is about this rich young fool only caring about himself and his situation and his circumstance. This is where he was, and this was it, and that's all he cared about. We can be rich toward God when our finances reflect our relationship with Jesus. 
Six times in this passage, the pronoun I is used. I, 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 I. When it comes to finances, let's let our relationship with Jesus be in that process of how we honor him. We can be rich toward God when we realize that our security is in God. The rich fool thought that his security, the rest of his years would be found in his possessions. That his security would be what would save him. But there's only one that's absolute, and that's God. God is the one who is absolute. Our money, our stuff, our things are not absolute. This rich young fool thought that his stuff and his possessions was all that he had. So I brought this up before. We have, a, we have Study Gateway. There's this website. We, we purchased a number of accounts. We want to give you this website, studygateway.com. And um, in your programs there, you can, you can look in it. And here's what it is. It's a free service for all of you. Um, and if you haven't signed up for it, be sure to go ahead and sign up for it, studygateway.com. And what you do and the information of your program, you sign up for it. The church has already paid. And, and they're video resources. So, like, let's say you want a topic on, like, peace. I want peace in my life. Or mental health. You want to learn about mental health, what the, you know, how the Bible can help you work through that and how the Lord can help you work through that. Or wh whatever the topic is. And there's usually about five to seven videos on each of these topics led by pastors and theologians and and, 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 and people from all over the world given a good Christian perspective. And so we, we purchased this as a church, as a gift to give to our church, and, uh, and we want you to utilize it. So you go to studygateway.com slash invite, it's in your program, slash VD, Valentine's Day, oh. N2. And what you do is you go there, you sign up for it, and then here's what I'd like. In the search area... Search in finances or money or stewardship. And then as you go through that uh, process, as you click on that, then all these resources will come up. And pick what fits your needs. Pick what fits your situation and go through these videos. It's a great resource that are taught by some top-notch uh, pastors and preachers and theologians that will encourage you. So utilize this resource. There's so many resources on it. I could... I could go on and on, but just look in your programs and sign up for it. God asks us to trust him. That sounds simple. God asks us to trust him. That sounds really simple. To trust that he is the one who has provided us with all that we have. To trust him in a very tangible and real way. And here's what God said to the prophet Malachi. Or if you're Italian, Malachi. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And, and Malachi 310, I almost said Malachi again. <laughs> it's like in my hand, Malachi. What'd you learn? I don't know. This Italian guy said something. <laughs> Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. A tithe is a 10% of all you have. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me 
in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that, that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, bring the whole tithe, bring all 10% of your crops, of your income to the storehouse. The best equivalent for that today in our day and age is bring uh, the best, the, your 10% to your local church that you're committed to. That would be the best equivalent. And so then he says these four words that we don't see anywhere else. He says, test me in this. Test me in this. The Lord, this is the only time in Scripture the Lord says, test me in this. Test me in this. He says, wait and watch and trust me. The Lord says, trust me. And then he says, I will pour out my blessings upon you. And sometimes those blessings are financial. And sometimes those blessings are not financial. Those blessings could be helping others who are in need. Some of the blessings could be not being owned by what we own. Some of those blessings could be that, that not having to create our own security, but rather realizing that God is our ultimate source of security, and that's where we find freedom and peace. And maybe it's the blessing of not having to live in fear, not having to live in the what-ifs. Maybe it's the blessing of not having to live in the, the mindset of what if I give this, then this will happen. What if I give that, then this will happen. What if this, then this. What if, what if, what if. Maybe the blessing is you no longer say what if. Maybe the blessing is you say, I trust the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? And the freedom you have in that. Because when we're like this, there's no freedom there. That's fear. But when we're like this, we say, Lord, I trust you. I need you. And sometimes what happens is that God wants to do things in our lives. And the band could come on this note, and I want to kind of frame it like this. Sometimes God is waiting to do something in our lives. Sometimes God is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to do something. But we need to take that first step of faith. There's so many times in the Bible where it talks about taking that step of faith or acting and doing the things God has called us to do. God will always be faithful, but will we have the faith to take that step of generosity? Will we have the faith to take that step of, you know, you, you fill in the blank there? Many times, uh, there's one time the Israelites were crossing, I don't remember, it was one of the rivers. And it wasn't until they stepped in to the water, the rushing water, that God then moved in a miraculous way. And so what, the Jordan, thank you. <laughs> and then, so what is that for us? What is that area for us where this is something, this is area that's scary, and this is barrier that's so scary, and all we need to do is, is, is trust the Lord. And take that step so we're no longer behind this barrier, but we're in front of it. And the Lord is the one leading us. What is that for us? How are we going to trust him? 
He wants us to begin trusting him in tangible ways in our lives. And finances is a huge way we show that we trust the Lord. And when we trust the Lord in tangible ways like that, and, and the Lord can start trusting us in these tangible ways, he's going to trust us and entrust us with so much more. So, what if we did what God tells us through the prophet Malachi? What if we tested God? What would happen? What would happen if we took this passage in Malachi and it says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. What if we said, I'm going to commit to doing this for a month, for two months, for three months, for a year? What if we said we're going to commit the tithing, or if, you're, if we're already tithing, then take it to the next level. But what if we really put this passage of Scripture, this promise of Scripture, and what if we lived it out? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So what if this week we make the decision to live lives where we live generously and we put this Malachi passage into practice and we start tithing. And if we're already tithing, we go above and beyond because we want to live generously because we don't want to be bound by these barriers anymore. In fact, we want these barriers to go away where it's just us and the Lord because when there's no barrier that's when we have freedom when there's no barrier then we just say Lord on yours and that's that's when we're at the heart and the will of God amen let's stand together and let's respond by singing